At this time, I would like to introduce Russell Irwin. He is chairman of our uh, ordination council for a report. And then followed by that, Brad, if you would come without further introduction and share a brief testimony with the congregation. The ordination council met. Uh, we heard Brad's testimony. Uh, we questioned Brad. Uh, he answered, and uh, we praised God for him. So based on that testimony, based on our interaction with him, the ordination council unanimously and with great joy recommends Brad to be ordained tonight. God bless you, my brother. Amen. If you've been blessed already tonight, say amen. 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 I tell you what, it is just... Uh, unbelievable. We've been talking about this night for many, many months, and I tell you, it is here, and uh, we're so glad. I'm so humbled to be standing here. I'm so honored to be called pastor. Uh, it's just an unbelievable reality that is set in tonight. I was told I got five minutes. <laughs> and and, and I, the reason that most of these people laugh is because they know that, that, to me, that's 35 minutes. Um, but, you know, the testimony is supposed to be brief, but what I have to do is give glory to God. I, I've got to go back to when, listen, number one, it started at salvation. And we'll get to that in a minute. But a year ago, uh, as a matter of fact, it was next month, a year ago in August, I was at a concert. And Casting Crowns had a, a little intimate concert, and, and Shannon got us tickets to go. It was uh, not really an open uh, event. There was only four or 500 people there, and they were playing a, a brand-new album, right, that they were going to release very soon. And all the songs that they were singing that night were brand-new. We had never heard them before. Mark Hall got up and, and explained what the songs were about before they sang them. And he started uh, this one. And it was titled, One Step Away. And I'm sure that you guys have all heard it by now. But listen, at that point in time, One Step Away, had I've never even heard the song. And, and, and as they begin to sing, I have my hands lifted high. And, and it was just an emotional time. And God used these lyrics to call me to ministry, to full-time ministry. And, and the song says this, what if you could go back in your life and live one day all over again. What if I told you you were one step away from surrender? One step from coming home. One step from arms wide open. His love has never let you go. You're not alone. You're one step away. Lay down your old chains. Come now and take up your new name. Your best life is ahead now. As I heard those, song, those lyrics, God was telling me that night very clearly that I was to come and I, and I was to lay down the life that, as I knew it and that I was to take on my new name and my new name was going to be pastor. Luckily, as I told my wife, she's always been the voice of reason in my, in my life. And she told me, I said, well, honey, I guess the fight is over. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, God has told me that I'm going to become a pastor. And she said, well, I guess that's where we're headed then. 
because she's always been that way. No matter what God has asked us to do in our lives, she's always been the one to say, if that's what God says, then it's time to go. But listen, during the next 48 hours, I couldn't understand. He didn't put it all together for me. I didn't understand the one step away part. Right as I was hearing that song and I was so emotional, I had my hands lifted to the Lord and, and tears were streaming down my face. I did not understand why I was one step away. You see, I felt like I was exactly where God wanted me to be in ministry. Right, I, I had been doing all these things that he had called me to do, and I was ministering to many couples. We were leading small groups. I was discipling men. Right, I was investing in all the people that I could, and I didn't understand how I was one step away. But during the next 48 hours to come, after that concert, he began to show me. See, he showed me that 15 years earlier that he had saved me at salvation, that, 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 he, that I was one step away when he called me. To salvation. Then from there, I, I stumbled to my first small group meeting and, and I started connecting with other people and I started seeing it live before me that the righteous life was able to be lived, that it really was true. You see, from that small group, I met another man and he decided he wanted to invest in me and he started to disciple me. From that, I, I got called to my very first mission trip. After that mission trip, I, I, I got back and, and listen, life was never the same. I went on many mission trips after that, but God called me to lay down all the things in my life that I'd been holding on to. All of the intentional sins in my life, all of the drugs and alcohol and the things that I was doing in my life, they didn't taste the same. He changed the desire of my heart. After that, I, I became, I started to disciple men. I considered myself a discipler. At that point in time, uh, Shannon and I made the decision to adopt. I was called to the office of deacon at Long Hollow. I became a small group leader on and off campus. Many of you know me as that. You know, we, either, you know, we've been in a discipleship group together. We've been in a small group together. We've loved and done life together. But listen to me. During the next 48 hours after that concert, God showed me that I was always one step away. That I was always one step. When I felt like I was comfortable, I was right where I needed to be. God said, I know that's where you're comfortable, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to step right here now. And then after that, he said, I know you're comfortable right there, but I need you to step right here now. And he continued through that process that got us 15 years later to where we are. Today, as a matter of fact, if you had told the guy 15 years ago that went to Long Hollow by mistake, we weren't even invited. Shannon and I just heard that Long Hollow was a great church. We went there. But if you had told that guy that 15 years from then that I would be a, a, an ordained pastor, that I would bring the word of God and people would be saved and people would join the church and that many people would have life change, I would have looked over my shoulder and said, you have got the wrong guy. You see, God knows us. He knows every number of hair, hairs on our head. He knows that we can't take the whole glimpse of our life at one time. That's why he allows us every day to go home and rest, to lay down, right? He, he knew that if he gave us our lives in one glimpse, that we could never handle it. And just like that, he knew that I couldn't handle all those things in one large step. That if he had given it all to me, I, I would have never reached the finish line because, y'all, it was never me that did it anyway. It was him. I was always one step away. 
If God's not done with you in your life yet, say amen. amen. Somebody say one step away. One step away. That's how it all started almost a year ago. I'll tell you something that is amazing is that God does not need us. Right? God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. Right? How awesome is that, that God chooses to use us in ministry? I'm going to tell you something else. You'll hear a song in a minute, uh, and it's called The Sound of Your Voice. And I want, I want you to understand that once you hear the sound of God's voice, when you see life change, when you do things, when he works through you, I mean, it, it's, it's unheard of. You almost can't wrap your mind around it. When you allow, when you say yes, you allow God to use you, and you see God do things only he could do in your life through you, you'll never, ever want to do anything else. Whenever you see him working... Once you hear the sound of his voice, you'll always want that again and again and again. There is nothing sweeter than the sound of his voice. When you see people in scripture, the people that you see are ordinary. Their relationship with God, coupled with the activity of God, is what makes them extraordinary. I'm going to say that again. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The people that we see in Scripture are, are, are ordinary. Their relationship with God, coupled with the activity of God, is what makes them extraordinary. And that is what God is trying to do at Page Heights. The work He is going to do here is going to be Extraordinary. You see, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He, he's ready for this church to make a difference in this community. He's called us here. And listen, I, I don't take it lightly, but God has given me the ability to deliver his word with authority. And I am honored today. And I don't take it lightly. Around here, they call me Brad Pitt. Pastor in training. <laughs> I knew y'all like that. I can thank Brother Dale for that, and it is funny. <laughs> hey, but but I want to tell y'all something. I, I'm going to need help, and the people in this room are the people that I'm going to need help from. I'm the first one to raise my hand higher than anybody else to say I don't have it together. I need help, and I may call on you, and I hope that you can help me when I do. You see, in my life, things have, has it all, have not always looked like they should, right? The, the, the way that I've gotten to places in my life isn't always the ordinary way or the traditional way that people get to where they're going. But listen, as I'm called to the office of pastor, even though it may not be the way that it normally happens, I want us to understand, or me to understand more than anyone else, that, that Almighty God has called me to this office, that he has called me to be a pastor, and that I will love well. Brother Tim has been investing in me and a group of other pastors, and that group is called Above Reproach. When I say that, that God has called me to be a pastor, and he's also calling me to love well, there, there's a verse, it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and Paul is encouraging Timothy to do just that. As a matter of fact, he says, the aim of our charge is love. 
that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. I'm going to say it one more time. The aim of our charge is love. Right, so, so for, for me to be the pastor that God has called me to be, I have got to love well. And the way, according to scripture, for me to do it is I must issue that love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A pure heart means that I must, first of all, not lose the sight of my own salvation. That my heart is only pure because it has been cleansed by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. That I will continue to let him sanctify me until my last breath in my earthly body. The second way that I will love, that I can love and issue that love is through a good conscience. That reminds me that my love will continue to be above reproach. That I will need to, my life will need to be respectable. That I will need to continue to be self-controlled, sober-minded. And I will be glad to do these things, to even consider myself worthy of working inside the body of Christ. The last way that I will issue that love is through sincere faith. And today I am reminded that I must maintain at all times a continuing love relationship with God that is real and personal. That by his grace, I'll be able to love well. And by his word, by his steadfast word, that I will become steadfast, immovable. And I will always be able to give myself fully to the work of the Lord because I know that my labor in the Lord is not in vain. I know that being a pastor will not be easy. This uh, listen, as a matter of fact, I could have used all y'all in this room just now because they just asked me a hundred questions <laughs> and, and I was sweating and I'm going to go ahead and tell you. But I know that being a pastor is not going to be easy, right? I understand that there's going to be times where being a pastor is increasingly difficult. I know that it will be. Thank you, Bob. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 9, 23, he says, If anyone should come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. Yes. And, and what that means, like, so many people, when we hear that, we're like, man, Jesus was serious about this ministry stuff. But the, but the real truth is that that pursuit that he's talking about, he says, if anyone should come after me, he's talking about us. That if we're going to come after him, we're going to have to pursue it. We can't just stay where we are. In other words, me being called to a pastor, it doesn't end here. It's only the beginning. That I will have to continue to pursue him and it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough and it's going to be joyous and it's going to be beautiful. And the sound of his voice, when I see life change and people saved, there'll be nothing like it. He continued at the end of chapter 9, and I'm finished here, and my five minutes is up. <laughs> at the end of chapter 9, in verses 58 and 60, Jesus gives them a great illustration. He says, listen, guys, foxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Right? It's, it's a great reminder that he's not talking about how hard it is to be Jesus. He's saying that ministry is tough. That you need to think about the outcome. That you need to think about where you're headed. 
to great reminder that it's that it, that it may not be easy. But it's not for my glory. It's not for my gain. He tells his disciples that when they're rejected, that they need to dust themselves themselves off. And that's just what I'll need to do. That they're not rejecting me, as Bob would say. They're rejecting the gospel. And lastly, I, I would just ask that you would pray for me in the days to come. Luke 9, verse 62. He tells them Jesus. He says that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I just pray that you would pray over me and my family, that we would put our hand to the plow and we would never look back, that we would love well and it would issue in those ways. I want to thank each and every person here tonight. I know that uh, you guys have taken time out on your Sunday afternoon. I thank you for coming. I thank all who God used to get me here. Dr. Mike Pennington, Brother Tim, Russell, Bob Rebecca. I just thank all of you guys who came to sing. I thank all of you guys who came to support. But listen, overall, it's not about me. It's about God and what he's done. Let's give it a hand. Heavenly Father, I am so humbled to be here. Father, I just thank you for all the people in this room. You know each and every heart. You know the relationships that we have here, Father. We just thank you for the love in this room. We thank you for the love that is shown to us tonight. I just pray and lift up my family to you right now. I know that the enemy will come strong. And Father, I just pray that the people in this room represent the people who will help to hold us upright. That Father, we will not be able to do it alone. And Father, I know that you will give us the strength, that you will never call us to anything that you won't bring to completion. Father, I just pray for this church that you will bring the people, that you will continue to prepare our hearts so that we can minister well. Father, that we can love well. And Father, I just pray as we continue to sing, as we continue to praise, that you will accept it. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brad, for your testimony. Come on. <laughs> I was wondering there if Brad was ordaining us or we were ordaining him. Uh, I think that Brad's kind of like Lazarus. Just loose him and let him go. Uh, just, uh, uh, so when he gets in the pulpit, he's got a word, uh, a word to share, and we praise the Lord, uh, praise the Lord for that. Well, I'm Mike Pennington. I'm director of missions of the Bledsoe Baptist Association, of which this church is a part and Long Hollow's a part. And it's my joy tonight to just bring to you what we call a charge to the church. And after me, Pastor Tim LaFleur, one of the pastors at Long Hollow, uh, is going to be, uh, and he's been working with Brad and discipling Brad in various ways over the years. He's going to give a charge to the candidates. So I'm going to be brief at this time. Brad said five minutes was 30. Well, I, I'm going to take uh, less than that. Let me just say that. I, I, will be, uh, uh, I will be brief. Church, I want to say some things to you that uh, just from, from my heart to your heart. And I just want to ask you to love your pastor. Love your pastor. All of us that are in ministry, and if you talk to any of us privately or publicly, we will just tell you we are frail children of dust just like everyone else. 
And we suffer the same temptations and the same struggles and sometimes even more because we have an enemy who is after us to seek to make us fall. And so tonight, my comments to you are to love your pastor. First of all, I want you to love him by praying for him. You may not know all of his needs. I'm sure he's a very transparent person. He'll let you know uh, many of those needs. But pray for him. Pray diligently for him. Pray for his family. Pray that he will love his wife, the, the bride of his youth, the special one that, that God has placed by his, by his side. Pray that he loves her as Christ loves the church and that, that he would meet her needs as God wants her to meet those needs. Pray for his children. Pray that they would grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in that pastor's home. Pray that Brad would have clear vision for this church. Pray for him that he would, would, would be in touch with God. Pray for his personal devotional life. That he would spend time with God and that he would just be falling more and more in love with the Lord Jesus every single day. Your pastor cannot pastor you. Your pastor cannot be successful in this ministry without the prayers of the people. Like Aaron and her holding up Moses' hands with the staff in the battle in the Old Testament, you've got to hold up your pastor's hands. Pray for him. Number two, I would say communicate with him. He is not a mind reader, right? No. Okay. I just want to, want to cover that, be, be real clear. He is not a mind reader. When you have a need, you've got to communicate that need. All of us in ministry have one time or another been accused of not caring or something because we didn't visit so-and-so in the hospital and we didn't know they were there. Yes, come on. He is not a mind reader. If you have a need, communicate that need. Now listen to me. When you communicate a need, it may not be him that needs to meet that need. He may can delegate that to a deacon or to a Sunday school teacher or to someone else. But communicate those needs. Don't just expect him to show up like he was a mind reader and, and this kind of thing. Communicate with him. Let him know your needs. Because I know Brad's heart. And he shared it a moment ago uh, as well. He loves you. And he wants to serve well. But he can't serve when he doesn't know the needs that are out there. The third thing I would ask you to do is to partner with him. Brother Robbie has a, a great message on the Great Commission Whereas that he loves the King James Version, but in the King James Version, it says that in the Great Commission, it translates the word teach, uh, they go, go and teach all nations when the word there is disciple. And he believes, and I, I think he's exactly right, that when it said teach all nations, that, that, that somehow we, we miss the fact that all of us are to make disciples. All of us are to be disciples. And so he wants, I believe what Brad wants to do is raise up in this church a mass army of disciples who can go do the ministry. All of us need to be the disciples that God is calling us to be. And so partner with him. I've, in a in, uh, ministry, I've had people come up to me before and say, well, Brother Mike, I think that we ought to do so-and-so. And they're kind of trying to dump that on me as the professional staff to go and get it done or whatever. I learned how to just kind of hold up a mirror and say, well, maybe God's calling you to do that. Sounds like a great idea. You pray about that. You gather some people around you to pray about that and, and see what God does. You see, everything, he's not your hired gun is what I'm trying to say. He is not the one that you hire to go do the ministry and, and to, to, win, to win, to be the only soul winner. He, we, we're a team, and I want to encourage you to partner with him. I want to encourage you 
to express grace to your pastor every day. Because somewhere along the line, he's going to fail you. He may say something that hurts your feelings unintentionally. But sometimes it happens. Any of us who make our living with words, it's a dangerous position uh, to be in. Because we sometimes say things in the wrong way or something like that. The definition I love about the word grace is this. Grace is treating someone better than they deserve. Isn't that what God did with us? Grace is treating someone better than they deserve. I want you to treat your pastor always better than he deserves. And that will humble him. But if you'll give him grace and mercy and forgiveness, there's no telling what God will do in his life and in your life. I want you to love your pastor by supporting him financially. Yes, he's got a business, but that does not relieve you of the responsibility of being as generous with him as you possibly can. The scripture says over in uh, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. Support him. Uh, be a part of his life financially. Help him in those ways. And finally, and I really do mean that, finally, <laughs> Let him lead. Let him lead. God has called him not to be a dictator, but he's called to be the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. And as he's in contact with the good shepherd, and as he is, is hearing from God, he's going to have ideas. And don't ever use those seven last words of the church. We ain't never done it that way before. That may be more than seven. But, you know, that, that's, you know that, it may be that something new needs to be done. And so let's move forward. Let him lead, not as a dictator, but as one who's catching a vision, casting that vision. We embrace the vision and we go on with God as God is calling us to do. And so, church, my charge to you tonight is to love your pastor. Love your pastor. Forgive him. Give him grace. Support him. Communicate with him. Partner with him. Follow his leadership. That is what my challenge to you is tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, and Lord, we thank you for loving us. And we thank you for the fact that you've called Brad to this ministry. And I thank you, Lord, that you're calling this church to love him and to support him and to graciously forgive him when he fails and to move forward so that we can go forth and reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfill the Great Commission, of you as you have called us to do. We pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good afternoon. My name is Tim and uh, I have the privilege of sharing the message and because Brad was so brief, it gives me plenty of time to be able to share from the word, all right? Amen. Turn if you would in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, and I will be brief. What I want to do this afternoon is to share, Brother Brad, three encouragements with you. I'm speaking directly to you, but everybody else can listen in. Amen? Amen. The book of 1 Peter is a, a wonderful book, and it's a book where Peter shares timeless truths for tough times. And in chapter 5, the passage we're going to look at What he's sharing is during difficult days, especially when the church is suffering and going through challenges, and I'd say 
that would be the case today. Churches need strong spiritual leaders. Chuck Swindoll, I believe, said that if someone wants to pastor a church, here's what they have to do. They have to have the head of a theologian, the heart of a child, but the hide of a rhinoceros. (laughs) And being in ministry for over 40 years now, I understand that to be true. Pastoring a church is not for cowards. And Peter addresses spiritual leaders in 1 Peter chapter 5. Turn there if you would. And i tell you what we'll do. We'll look at verse 10. That's the theme of the whole book. And here's what Peter closes the book of 1 Peter by saying. And may the God of all peace, the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, who called us in his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Notice, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish strengthen and settle you what we do as believers when suffering comes when in times of persecution come we do all that we can to get away from it when that's the very thing that god's going to use to grow us and help us to be more like jesus i don't know about you but when tough times come i want to go the other way i say lord help me relieve me take this away from me And he's saying, dummy, that's the very thing I'm going to use in your life to help you to become more like me. To cause you to be dependent upon me. And tough times are going to come for all of us. I like what Bill Stafford, he was an old-fashioned revivalist. He was a gospel preacher. He said, listen, he said, you've either come out of a trial, you're headed into a trial, or you're in the midst of a trial. And so when it comes to trial, when it comes to difficult times, we're all in the same boat. Amen. Amen. And when you pastor a church, you're going to have to walk with people who go through tough times. And so I want to give you three encouragements. The first one is this. I want to encourage you to have a growing relationship with Christ. Look at verse 1, if you would, of 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter identifies with the elders of the church. He says, to the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Peter identifies himself with three things. First of all, he says, I'm a fellow elder. I I don't know if you know what that means. But Peter is exercising great humility. He could have said, I'm the one Jesus called a rock. I'm the one who the church was built upon. My my ministry, my word, the revelation that I spoke in Matthew 16 is the one that Jesus said he'll build his church upon and the gates of hell will not prevail. I could have said I'm one of the chosen ones. I'm one of the twelve. I'm one of the original apostles and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he didn't say that. He humbles himself and he says, I'm just like you. I'm a fellow elder. The next thing he says is he's a witness. Now, the word witness that we get here is translated 
And it means the same word we say when we say martyr. Peter did, even though he wasn't bragging, even though he didn't necessarily name drop the Lord Jesus, he did witness the sufferings of the Lord Jesus. And perhaps he was referring to the kind of death Jesus predicted that he would die in John's gospel. Don't worry about John. You follow me. And that's the word that Jesus speaks to you, Brad. You don't worry about everybody else. You follow me. Amen? Amen. He identifies himself as a fellow elder. He identifies himself as a witness. But then he also identifies himself as a partaker of the divine nature or the partaker of the glory of God. He knows his identity in Christ. He knows who he is in Jesus. As he grows in his relationship, he discovers more and more about all that he is. I want to tell you something. He found out who he was in Christ by studying the scriptures and spending time with Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. You are blessed in that you have the New Testament. Peter didn't. He spent time. You better believe he spent time in the Word of God as he knew it. The Old Testament. You know he spent time in God's Word to find out who he was. He remembered the teaching of Jesus. And as the Spirit of God began to work in his life, because he had spent this time with Jesus, the Spirit of God was bringing to his remembrance all the things he needed to know as he did ministry. I'm mindful of Acts chapter 4. When the religious leaders, the religious leaders got uptight, they got upset. Why? Because a man was healed on the Sabbath. The lame man in Acts chapter 3 was healed by the power of God. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And God did a miracle. And it's interesting to know that God was working in Peter so that he could work through Peter, as you said earlier. And God wants to work in you so he can work through you. And in Acts chapter 4, they take them before the council. And the council was marveling. They recognized, they perceived, the scripture says, that these were untrained and uneducated men. They were not the typical religious crowd of the day. But you know what they did notice? They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that good? So I want to encourage you, Brad, spend time with Jesus. Spend time with the Lord. Focus on growing in your faith. Focus on growing in your craft. Focus on growing as you pastor this people. The second encouragement I want to give you is this. I want to encourage you to have a loving concern for the people of God in this place. You ought to be kingdom-minded. You ought to care about God's people everywhere, but especially here because you're pastor of the church. In verse 2, the phrase is used, 
shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Shepherd the flock of God, the scripture says, serving as an overseer, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over God's heritage or God's, the people he's entrusted to you, I think the New King James says, but examples to the flock. Shepherd the flock of God. You know what? You ought to have a concern for the people of God. You ought to have a concern to see them grow in their faith. You ought to be growing and seeking to grow the sheep. What do you mean by that? You're not going to help them to grow unless you're growing. You're not going to help them to understand biblical principles unless you're understanding biblical principles. When you stand behind this sacred desk and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, that is the main thing you do week after week is you come up behind the the pulpit, the man of God, led by the Spirit of God, filled to overflowing. You preach the Word of God to the people of God and see what God does. Amen? That is the most important thing that you do. I can't stress that enough. God's calling you to shepherd these people well. And the first way you do it, you help them to grow. And you have a privilege... To be able to stand week after week, sometimes multiple times, to proclaim the word of God. Now, I want to tell you something. You can't take folks on a journey you hadn't been on. You hear me? Unless you're walking with the Lord, unless you're hearing from God, how can you expect them to receive all the things that God wants to do in and through you unless you're spending time with Jesus? Second thing you ought to do is you ought to guard the people of God. Not everybody has God's people best interests in mind. Do you realize that? Not everybody has the best interests of your church in mind. There are people who peddle religion from door to door. There are televangelists who paint a picture that's different from what the Word of God paints. They'll preach a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. There's all sorts of folks who would deceive your people. And let me encourage you, guard your people against false doctrine. But not only that, guard them against false deeds. Don't be afraid to say, here's the truth of the word of God. Now, here's the application. Here's the way we ought to live. Because you believe this way. You ought to behave this way. That's how it always works. When we believe right, we'll live right. Amen. If we believe wrong, is it any wonder that we live wrong? And our churches are suffering because of what I call biblical illiteracy. They don't know their Bible. They don't know the truth of the word of God. But God has blessed this place to give them a pastor. And you have the privilege not only of helping them to grow, but guarding them because there's lots of wolves. One of the favorite parts of the movie, The Patriot, that Mel Brooks did was the time when the pastor enlists and they said, Reverend, you're coming with us? And he said, well, there are times when pastors 
have to chase away the wolves. He's talking about the British. And that's what we have to do many times. There's a time to help grow the sheep by letting them come to green pastures of the word of God. But there's a time when we've got to fight for the sheep by guarding them against false doctrine and false deeds. But also guide the sheep. You can't take them on a journey you hadn't been on. As you follow Christ, they ought to be following you. I'm convinced, Brad, that when a man of God, led by the Spirit of God, is following Jesus, I believe in time the people will get in line and follow him. And I want to encourage you, brother, grow the sheep, guard the sheep, guide the sheep, be the shepherd that God's called you to be. I love the word. Three words are used in this text, and you want to go back and look at it later. The word elder, the word overseer, and the word shepherd. And all three speak of the office of a pastor. The elder is a man of maturity. The overseer is a man of management, and all are involved in ministry. And the shepherd is a man of ministry. It takes all three. It takes your maturity. As you follow Christ, as you grow in Christ, you want your people to follow after you. It takes oversight. Somebody has got to be responsible. And typically in a small Baptist church, that's the pastor along with their deacons. But then the Bible says, shepherd the flock of God. That's where ministry comes in. And God is going to give you opportunity after opportunity. Be faithful. As you told me when I asked you to pray for me last week. Dig in and stand tall. (laughs) Amen. That's what I'm telling you to do, brother. Dig deep and stand tall. Amen. Amen. And the last encouragement I would give you is that, you know, it's the first time I ever preach. And I'm starting to get happy in God. And I'm not even getting happy about what I'm saying. I'm getting happy about what he's saying. Amen. Not only are you to have a growing relationship with the Lord, not only are you to have a loving concern for God's people, but this is the good one. Please him and him alone. Look at verse 4. But when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. You know, the Bible depicts the Lord Jesus as a good shepherd who lives and dies for his sheep, as a great shepherd who ever lives to make intercession, and as a chief shepherd who one day will come for the sheep. You know Jesus is coming again? On that day, I want to be able to stand before him, and I want to hear, well done. I want to receive that pastor's crown. I want to receive that crown that Peter says, does not Fade away. It's a crown of glory. Amen. And the reason I want to get a crown is I want to turn around and lay at his feet and say, Jesus, you're the only one worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. I want to challenge you, brother. What do you say? Dig deep and stand tall. Why? Why? Because he's with you.
You can do whatever he calls you to do. Why? Because where he guides, he'll provide. You're going to get all the grace you need. You're going to get all the wisdom you need. You're going to get all the love you need. But understand this. When you receive it, it's not meant to stay here. It's meant to go there. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful that you love us, that you care. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being able to lay hands on Brad. Thank you for the encouragement that he already is to me. And I pray tonight we could be an encouragement to him during the laying on of hands. I pray, Father, that as we do that, it'd be more than symbolism. It would be a time where you allow your men, ordained men, to speak into his life as they pray, as they encourage And, Lord, that it would be a blessing to him. It would be a gift to him. And that he would treasure these words in his heart. And we'll give you praise. We'll give you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.